your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 55. I'm your host Dustin, and today we have with us... It's Apple. This is Savannah. And we are bringing the latest movie, TV, merchandise, video game, and general news from the past two weeks, as well as a spotlight character, which will be Maggie Kyle, Selena Kyle's sister, as well as a feature, which we'll leave, up to, uh, we'll leave it to a surprise. So just listen on and you'll hear what it is. All right, so before we get started, I just want to make uh, everybody aware of a little bit of change. Uh, as you know, this episode is a little bit late, but that is actually for a reason. Um, as of right now, we are going to be decreasing the number of uh, normal podcasts just for the time being, just because there's not as much news as there sometimes is. Um, we don't really have anything super pressing. Batman Under the Red Hood is about to come out. Again, you can follow everything on the website day to day instead of on the podcast. So what we're going to do is we're going to do one a month. So the last uh, Friday of the month we'll be releasing a normal podcast. But uh, that we'll, we're going to be doing that until probably September at the very earliest, maybe later. But for right now, we're planning on doing that through September. With that being said, let's get into a month's worth of news. And let's start off with movie news. You're counting on the winged Avenger to deliver you from evil, aren't you, my friend? <laughs> All right, so the very first thing we've got is from June 1st. It was announced, World's Finest posted up details about the release of the Batman Under the Red Hood score soundtrack. Of course, it will be released the same day as the film on July 27th. More details will obviously be released further on, but we also learned that there will be a, another CD coming out called The Music of DC Comics 75th Anniversary Collection. And on June 1st, it was announced that it was coming out on July 20th. Now, that has actually been pushed back now till October, but it will be coming out, and the word is that it's supposed to be including a bunch of different songs from live-action uh, DC movies, DC TV shows, animated live-action TV shows. So it could be pretty interesting. I'm, I'm looking really forward to that. You know, I hope they have the, the 40 serial music. That would be very cool if they have it in there. Yeah, they could, make, they could make this a really good collection. They've got a lot to pull from. I'm just hoping we hear some more details sooner rather than later but you know it, unfortunately it was postponed but nonetheless it's still interesting to see that they're taking the 75th anniversary and they're playing all the different angles including the music angle which i really appreciate yeah i i, I like that I, I really do hope they get all the music i mean even from like you know from down from the from the aquaman to the the old super friends that would be very cool definitely Next, on uh, June 3rd, there was an interview that was sent over by Warner Brothers with Andrea Romano. There's nothing really newsworthy, so we're not going to cover that, but you can check it on the website. 
and that interview does include three new images of Batman Under the Red Hood. The next thing we've got is on June 4th, uh, Superhero Hype managed to get a peek at the newest issue of Empire Magazine, and inside is an at-length interview with Chris Nolan. He mostly discusses things having to do with his upcoming movie Inception, but there are always going to be things related to Batman when talking to Chris Nolan. So some of the highlights from the interview include Nolan has no intention of the Joker returning for Batman 3. Nolan is still not officially signed on for the third film. He's sticking to this one film at a time process. He does foresee the DC films going the route of the Marvel films and having a team-up film. He believes that the best way to tell stories about the comic heroes is by following their original intention. So, no Joker in Batman 3. I don't think we really thought there was going to be a Joker in Batman 3. I didn't think they would bring him back, but, I mean, I was still holding out hope that they would finish the story that they had originally planned. It, it sucks for me. A <laughs> little bit, but not unexpected. Because we know Apple doesn't have enough Joker to go around. <laughs> Yeah, but I, you know what else he said? He that he said that he doesn't, you know, believe that the DC films will go to Marvel films. I I kind of agree with him because you see how hard it is with Marvel trying to do that right now. But I mean, I'm glad he kind of came out and said that. The interesting thing about the Marvel films is that they're paying those actors an outrageous amount of money to star in all these films, and I don't see that ultimately. I mean, okay, fine. A movie makes $300 million, but if you're paying an actor $20 million, $25 million to be in the movie, that's a little ridiculous. You're not really making a whole lot of money when it's all said and done, especially with all of those movies being high, live-action, you know, action, blockbuster movies. Obviously, they're going to take a lot of money to make in the first place. Personally, I think it'd be a better idea to... I mean, everyone says, oh, well, you have to have these different heroes have their own movies before you have a team of... You know, I think it'd be cool if they just, everybody had their own film. Yeah, you, you maybe you have like, you know, fanboy moments where Superman mentions something about some other hero, but he doesn't ever show up. I think that'd be cool. Kind of like what happened in Batman and Robin, where Batman says, this is why Superman works alone. I mean, that, that was kind of a, like a cool moment that, you know, a lot of people got, and they understood, and it was, it was amusing for a lot of people. But uh, I think that would be the best way to do it. And then somewhere way down the line, do what they were going to do and just make a Justice League movie where it doesn't necessarily follow every other movie that's been made, just a movie that is Justice League. It's the Justice League that we know. It doesn't matter if it contradicts other things because they space it out and have enough time in between. I would have to add on to that Justice League. I mean, I would deep down as a DC fan love to see a Justice League film. But I, I mean, how would how how would you think that fans would retake that? I mean, come on. I mean, Christian Bale can't go be in Justice League and play Batman, or whoever they cast for the next Superman film can't go off in there. But I mean, I, I think as DC fans, we can separate ourselves to like this kind of actor in this kind of film only because it belongs with that kind of movie. Agreed, and it also, I mean. You gotta think of it like this, we're also well prepared with all these DC animated films. If Kevin Conroy was still doing the voice for Batman, we would want nobody else but Kevin Conroy to do the voice. But they get these different actors who are still good, some of them better than others, but, you know, they're still good at voicing Batman, and we accept it, well, some of them we accept. We don't accept uh, all of them, obviously. <coughs> Billy Baldwin. <laughs> but, uh... 
you know, we do accept, uh, you know, some of them, especially Bruce Greenwood, as we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but this, some of this stuff is really good, and it prepares us for, like, kind of like a changing of arms type thing, where, you know, the mantle has to be passed down. Yeah, I think a Justice League movie, I don't know. I guess it could be good. I just don't think it would be good. And I I like uh, kind of what you were mentioning, Dustin, about uh, just little comments, little cameos, or not even cameos, just enough to place them in the universe. And that's that's enough to make it cool and DC-ish, you know? Exactly. So moving along, on June 8th, Comics Continuum posted up an interesting rumor that Batman Year One is being made into a DC Universe animated film. Now, obviously, no confirmation by Warner Brothers has happened as of now, but uh, rumors do have a way of becoming truth when it does pertain to the DC animated films, as we've seen in the past with Justice League Christ on Two Earths, Superman Batman Public Enemies, so it's very possible that they do have something in production. When I heard about this, I was, I mean, it's kind of ecstatic because, I mean, I, I mean, hello, I, I collected it when it first came out. So, I mean, there's kind of an emotional tie to, like, man, this is a great story. And going off to your Marvel friends and telling them, dude, y'all got to read Batman Year One. It's, like, freaking awesome. And to see it turn into a movie, I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be real. I'm going to probably cry if I hold it in my hand. <laughs> because that's if it's good hopefully it's good <laughs> but but i mean uh hopefully hopefully they do you know stay true to the way the story was and oh man i would probably be just like super ecstatic that would be interesting i would be interested to see how they animate it because the art in that one was so different <laughs> so that would be just interesting if they ever post up uh screenshots or anything or promotional art that's when i'll be interested in this story that could be cool all right so moving to the next thing we've got june 10th warner brothers sent over the next interview for batman under the red hood and it was in fact an interview with judd winnick the writer of the film batman under the red hood as well as as we know, under uh, the Red Hood storyline from the comics in 2005. So we are going to cover a couple things here, a couple of the questions, because some of them are pretty interesting. Okay, first question. What was the greatest challenge in taking your graphic novel to script format? I had to take two years of story and boil it down to 75 minutes of film, and that's a challenge, and liberating at the same time. It forces one to cut out all the fat and get to the heart of it. It's about making a movie, and for those who know anything about movies, it's about putting one foot in front of the other, building from one scene to the next to the next, and so on. There are no cul-de-sacs or crossovers. It all, it's all about getting the story to its essence. Were you disappointed with what you needed to cut out? Actually, I was thrilled about what went in. I'm really, really happy that the emotional core of the story is still there. You don't really get to tell stories like this in animation. The opera of it all is usually reserved for live action. The story is about characters actually emoting and dealing with horrible situations. Animation usually gets just the action and the visualization, and not the characters actually feeling anything. It was nice we got to do that. So nonetheless, it looks like... Well, we already kind of knew this. We're going to see scenes of Jason Todd being killed by the Joker. <laughs> and uh, that's probably the emotion they're talking about, especially the aftermath and what Batman has to deal with. I, I'm really excited because, I mean, oh, come on, man. He gets to kill Jason Todd. That was so awesome. But, I mean, you know how it's going to wind up, and they took it back. Tonight, you're going to break your one rule. 
All right, so the next thing we've got is on June 14th to celebrate DC Comics' 75th anniversary and obviously the release of Batman number 700. Warner Brothers released The Dark Knight on, on iTunes for the very first time. The download also includes never-before-seen bonus features. You can, but one of the bonus features you can actually see is kind of like a mini-documentary that's a couple minutes long about Chris Nolan convincing Chris Cobalt, the special effects supervisor for the film, how he wanted this, how he wanted the semi-trailer to flip, and he wanted it to be a specific way. And Chris Cobalt kept saying, "I don't know that that can be done." And lo and behold, obviously, as we know, they were able to get it done. Yeah, that's pretty cool to go, kind of go ahead and see that. Now there is a Batman. So the next thing we've got is on June 23rd, World's Finest posted up the track listing for the upcoming Batman Under the Red Hood soundtrack. And the music is composed by Christopher Drake, who has done many of the past soundtracks for the DC animated films. We'll have 18 tracks total. The soundtrack will be available on iTunes for digital download, as well as in CD form and digital download on Amazon.com, which you can buy directly through the Batman Universe website. I'm excited that uh, it's... Christopher Drake, so he's usually good. This is the first time I'd heard that he was the one doing the soundtrack, so yay. Yay, he's going to kill Jason Todd, yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving into the next one, we've got June 23rd. Warner Brothers sent over the next interview for the upcoming Batman Under the Red Hood, and this one is with Bruce Tim. So there's a couple interesting points that Bruce Tim made in his interview, so we're going to cover a couple of those. Batman Gotham Knight was a collection of short stories loosely tied together and produced in anime. What made Batman Under the Red Hood the right story to be the first true Batman movie in the DC Universe animated franchise? Seeing that this was going to be our first full-length Batman movie in the DC Universe line, we thought we really needed to have a strong story that wasn't just another adventure story or a caper that Batman foils. We wanted it to be something that truly needed to be told in a PG-13 venue that had a fair amount of, for the lack of better term, adult content that you couldn't normally do on television. And this story is loaded with it. It's also a personal story to Batman. It does have an adventure plot and a crime plot, but the emotional arc of the story is rooted in Batman's messed up history with family relations. And especially in our animated universe, Batman always had a kind of dysfunctional family dynamic going on. He's famously an orphan. He's got Alfred as a surrogate mother slash father. He's always bringing in surrogate sons to mentor, and it always kind of goes badly. And this is, once again, one of the big expressions of that. So it makes for a compelling drama as well as an exciting adventure. There's been a lot of internet banter regarding the discontinuation of the DCU series based on quotes attributed to an interview in Calgary with you. True or false? Kind of false. First of all, it wasn't an actual one-on-one -on -one interview. Quotes were taken out of context from, a long, from longer answers I gave on a panel at the Expo. Bottom line, the DCU films are definitely continuing. We've got projects lined up for the next two years at the very least. 
Lots of films in different stages of development and production. I know there are a lot of rumors circulating about future films. Some are true, some are not. I'll tell you this much. Anyone at our DCU Batman Under the Red Hood panel at Comic-Con will walk away with a very clear picture of the direction we are taking the DCU animated movies in the coming year. Okay, so that's all we're going to read for that, but uh, we need to kind of give you guys a little bit of background on this uh, last question. So there was an expo, or, well, they call it expos up there, but it was basically a convention up in uh, Canada, and Bruce Tim was on a panel, and he was asked various questions. One of the questions he was asked was, we've heard different rumors of maybe a Batgirl year one storyline being made into a movie. We've heard some other ones. And specifically, which it doesn't directly say that this is what they're talking about, but it's speci- he specifically said that based on the poor sales of Wonder Woman in the very beginning of the release of Wonder Woman, they had to put the Batgirl movie on hold, basically because they feel female characters don't get the sales that they really wanted. Now, Wonder Woman eventually caught up with sales and actually sold more copies than some other DC animated films. But uh, for the most part, they said Batgirl was being discontinued. Now, he doesn't say, he doesn't address Batgirl, he doesn't address anything, so we don't really know what was chopped out of the interview or chopped out of the responses that he had. He also stated that uh, Green Lantern didn't sell as well as they hoped, so the possibility of a sequel will rely solely based on the uh, success of the live-action movie coming out next year. Um, as they don't want to uh, put out a sequel and not have it do successfully because then Green Lantern will go into the middle of nowhere. But at the same time, I there's bits and pieces that I do find to be kind of, they have to be false. Why are they having a Green Lantern animated series if and if the movie was did so poorly and that they can't do a sequel? You know, um, was it last podcast where I made a comment where I said there's a bunch of Green Lanterns, but we were talking about Superman, Batman, how they always sell. And the Superman, Batman, you can hardly find whenever you go to Best Buy, Target, Walmart. You can hardly find those, but you see the Green Lantern there. So I could kind of see where they, they don't think it was as successful because they were trying to go off the Blackest Night. But, I mean, they didn't promote it as well. I mean, either, because, I mean, it wasn't out there for promotion like they would do Superman and Batman. So Not only, not only that, but you also got to think... Both Wonder Woman and Green Lantern were origin stories. Origin stories are never do nearly as well as the popcorn-eating blockbuster, just pure action. Um, we know this because look at Batman Begins. Great movie. Didn't do nearly as well as The Dark Knight. Now, obviously, there's other factors that attribute to The Dark Knight being more successful, but origin stories tend not to... You know, do as good as some of these other, some of these other just pure action films like Superman Doomsday, like Batman Under the Red Hood, like these Justice League movies. They just dive right into a story. They tell the story, and that's what they do. The origin stories, in my opinion, are never going to sell as well because you're introducing a person to the character. The people who know the character who are going to normally buy the movies already know the origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think- I, I agree. I think that's the thing, is that everybody knows who Superman and Batman is. And, I mean, I guess everybody knows who Wonder Woman is, and people vaguely know that there is a Green Lantern. But it's a different level of knowing the character, I think. And, you know, you're going to watch a Superman-Batman film if you're a superhero fan at all. It's sort of the superheroes. Definitely. 
Yeah, and how you were saying like that's kind of not true. I I don't think they promoted. I don't I don't even remember seeing a, a Wonder Woman commercial. I remember I told you right that's the day I got. It, I said I'm gonna go get Wonder Woman, and you were like, oh, you know, like, and I you know come to think about it, when leading up to it, I never even started maybe one commercial, but they don't play it as much as they would do a Batman or a Superman release. Right. So you know if they're, if they're talking about girls, they need to do some more you know PR work for them. Right. Obviously, the advertising dollars go more towards the movies that they think are going to sell well, you know, just in general. They think that Superman and Batman are going to go, are going to sell more, so they put more money towards the marketing for that. Because, I'll tell you what, I remember seeing commercials on TV for Justice League Christ on Tours. I remember seeing commercials on TV for Superman and Batman Public Enemies. I don't remember seeing any commercials for Green Lantern. I don't remember seeing any commercials for Wonder Woman, but I do remember seeing commercials for New Frontier and uh, Superman Doomsday and mm. Batman Gotham Knight. I mean, Batman Gotham Knight was probably marketed more than anything just because of the timing of the release. You are completely 100% correct because I remember every one of those commercials. Nothing for Wonder Woman, nothing for Green Lantern. And, I mean, if they're going to come out, you know, I mean, they're putting out a cool animated movie. I mean, Wonder Woman was freaking awesome. Uh, the Green Lantern story was, man, that was another step above what they, they should have done for the origin movie where they included him already in the Green Lantern core. I just, I don't understand their marketing department. Yeah, it ultimately comes down to somebody decides this one's going to sell better than the other. You get X amount of money for marketing for the year. The other thing is uh, Warner Brother releases... Um, information and it might be interesting to look into this and I might look into this and post something up on the forums about this but uh, every movie that comes out they release these trade ads where there's an advertisement in the trade magazines saying the movie's coming out and it says how many you know what the marketing strategy for the movie is and basically what the point of this ad is is to get retailers and different distributors to get this movie and purchase it so that they can distribute to their customers. And the trade ad basically says, our marketing strategy for this is, it lists all the channels that they're going to advertise on, it lists all the magazines that they plan on advertising in, it lists all of this different information. I'm actually interested to know, to compare some of these different trade ads and see what the comparison between them are, because that would explain a lot to say why certain movies outsell other ones. It's just a lot because I would really like to see a Catwoman movie. You know what I mean? I would really like to see a Huntress movie or a Power Girl. But, I mean, if, if they're saying, you know, the type of things like this, I mean, that's kind of bad for us. Right. Exactly. So the very last thing we've got is there's the very first clip from Batman Under the Red Hood was released on June 24th. Now, you can actually check that out on the website. Uh, it is a clip of Batman arguing with uh, Red Hood about his methods, and you can check that up also on our YouTube page, which a lot of people have been checking out since it's been released. So we have no TV news, uh, so let's get into merchandise news.
there's not a ton of merchandise news, but of course there always is some. The first thing we've got is on June 1st, Mezco announced that they are teaming with DC Comics to form a Mezitz line, and the very first character to be revealed will be the Batman and the Joker, and they will be released as a two-pack at San Diego Comic-Con. Ooh! So you can check those out. I want them. I want them. On June 3rd, it was announced from Warner Brothers that we'll be seeing some apparel that's very unique. It's coming from a company called Colette, and we will be seeing a a wide variety of different uh, items, including everything from t-shirts to boots to bow ties um, based on DC heroes and villains. Um, Specifically, some of the pictures that they they revealed were some Batman t-shirts, very unique in style, and they also revealed a Joker bow tie, which is kind of interesting. Ooh, I'm not. I can't w- pull off a bow tie, but <laughs> I, I would like a, just a regular Joker tie. <laughs> All right. So the next thing we've got is on June 4th. Warner Brothers announced that they have extended their product lines with Mattel for the next year. And Batman-related ones, uh, Batman Brave and the Bold will be getting a whole array of new toys coming in the next year. Um, We will also be seeing more of the Mattel and Fisher-Price Super Friends line. We we know about the Imaginex Joker's Funhouse and also the building sets from Trio, but there will also be a bunch of different new things, including a Fisher-Price Smart Cycle a learning system, which is a 6-in-1 portable smart device that will feature Batman the Brave and the Bold software. And then there will also be a bunch of Power Wheels things based on Batman and the Batmobile. As well as the new TV series Young Justice, which will be featuring our very own Robin, um, will have its own line of toys as well. So there's a bunch of stuff coming out from Mattel in the coming year, and we might actually see some of this stuff revealed at San Diego. Man, just like the how Mattel had it last time, where we had put the pictures up of the booth. Yes. Oh, man, that would be so tight. New Batmobiles. And I think Mattel is going to be having a very big presence because they didn't have a big presence at C2E2 because they didn't know how the show was going to turn out. And they won't be at New York Comic Con because it falls, they said, in some kind of weird time frame that they can't really do a show. So San Diego is really going to be the big show for Mattel this year, besides, obviously, the International Toy Fair. Oh, very nice. Oh, and we're going to be there to uh, cover everything. All right, so the next thing we've got is on June 9th, Warner Brothers announced that they renewed the partnership with Ruby's Custom Co. Obviously, some of you already know about this stuff. Ruby's is a custom company that has a wide variety of costumes from everything related to Warner Brothers, including other properties as well, but... They obviously have a lot of Warner Brothers properties, including DC Comics superheroes, Harry Potter, Looney Tunes, Lord of the Rings, and Hanna-Barbera characters. coolest thing was uh, back when The Dark Knight was released, Ruby's was the one who put out a lot of the Dark Knight costumes. Well, they were the only ones who were actually licensed to put them out. But one of the best costumes, or one of the best pieces that they put out that I think they had was the Joker thug masks, which I have one. And I thought those were really cool because they... They looked exactly like the masks in the movie. Totally agree. I, I'm, I mean, they do good quality, so, I mean, it was a no-brainer to re-sign up with them. All right, and then the very last thing on June 23rd, uh, Cool Toy Review posted up some images of Mattel's second wave of retro-action DC superheroes. And as we know from prior announcements, the second wave will include Batman and Two-Face. 
And these figures are modeled off of the original Mego toys from back in the day. And, and I believe some of these toys are actually popping up in stores as of right now. Toys R Us, I went to Toys R Us just a couple of days ago, and I did see some of the new wave. You can specifically tell the new wave from the old wave because the first wave had yellow backer cards. The second wave has pink backer cards. So you can definitely find those very easily going there. I love these. I used to have one as when I was a kid. These are very cool to own. Taking up video games, are we, sir? Alright, guys, and that's going to take us to video game news. Some of the biggest news came out from this past week from E3. Finally got a release date on DC Universe Online. And the release date that you can go ahead and play this in your own home is November 2nd. It will be coming out for PS3 and PC. And the great thing from E3, if you didn't get to see it, was we got final screenshots already of Gotham City, Harley Quinn playable while she was fighting the, the made-up character. And you also got to see Joker's Amusement Mile. Amusement Mile looks like where you'll probably be going up against a Joker in this area. But you also saw the other screenshots from Gotham City where they did kind of use some Art Deco takes for the city, but they kind of made it their own, but it, it, it kept to the theme of Gotham City. And of course, if you love Jim Lee's drawing, that's kind of how the city stayed. But uh, that was very cool to see that. Also in uh, video game news from E3 was we finally got to see Batman Brave and the Bold and we get to see that Blue Beetle is a playable character. Now, at first, kind of hearing about this game, I was kind of, eh, I was already going to buy it. But it, it looked pretty cool. You saw the video on those, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think about Batman? I don't really have any words to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say that this game, if you have a little brother or sister, or if your wife likes to play video games, it's, it's very cool. But also what was discussed from E3. Now, guys, we want you to take this with a grain of salt. And you know here at the Batman Universe, we like to always say this when there's a rumor. Don't always believe the rumors. But here's the situation. Batman Arkham Asylum 2 was not shown at E3. Now, some wonder why wasn't it shown when the release date given right now at GameStop is January 1st. Okay? Now, a little bit background on that date. A lot of video game companies saw the success of Mass Effect 2 released early on in the year and saw that this can be an open slot to make large money in this window. Now, it's not the holiday season. It's kind of past the holiday season, but video game fans showed how they come out for Mass Effect, so some companies are trying to capitalize on that. But the rumor that was coming out, now remember guys, this is rumor, grain of salt. Batman Arkham Asylum 2 may do what kind of was done in the Dark Knight, where they're going to be using viral marketing to go ahead and promote this video game. Is that a very cool idea? It was very cool for the Dark Knight. It would be very cool for Batman Arkham Asylum 2. Who knows, guys, things changed. Things can be pushed back. Things can be pushed, moved up. But you know here, guys, that we always keep you up to date on whatever news concerns Batman. That's absolutely right. Yeah, so, I mean, guys, just stay tuned to us because, I mean, if it's a viral marketing, we're going to be right there and we're going to go ahead and get you all the news for that. And, you know, even though we are going to be going on a one episode a month, if this viral marketing thing does pick up, we will be making sure that we cover this on the website. So make sure you're coming over to the website and checking out the latest news about this. 
Alright, so that's video game news. We don't really have any general news to go over, so we're going to get right into our spotlight character, which, as I mentioned, is Maggie Kyle. Maggie Kyle was the younger sister of Selena Kyle, who later became Catwoman. Their parents were Brian and Maria Kyle, with Maria proving to be emotionally distant from her daughters. She instead devoted her time to the family cats and was driven to commit suicide by the drunken antics of her alcoholic husband. Brian, meantime, didn't like how much Selena resembled Maria. As he drank himself to death, Selena and Maggie fled their home in the second Catwoman series, number zero, in October 1994. The girls lived on the street for a time and eventually went their separate ways. Selena was a prostitute, while Maggie's whereabouts went unrecorded. Eventually, Maggie wound up at a convent and soon took her vows. To Selena, who'd grown distant from Maggie, but never let her totally drift away, she was always Sister Magdalene. Selena's former pimp, Stan, tried to get back at Selena, kidnapped and abused Maggie until Catwoman arrived. Selena saved Maggie and killed Stan, driving a wedge between the nun and criminal. This was in Catwoman number 1 through 4, February through May 1989. For unexplained reasons, Maggie gave up her vows and chose to explore the world beyond Gotham City. She moved to the West Coast and in time met Simon Burton, they fell in love and married. As fate had it, Simon's employer transferred him east, and Maggie returned to Gotham. It took time, but Maggie and Selina reunited and grew close once again. Selina even invited Maggie and Simon to the dedication of the East End's new community center. Unfortunately, re-entering Catwoman's world made Maggie a target, and it wasn't long before Black Mask's war with Catwoman for the East End got personal. That night, the center was blown up, and Simon kidnapped while riding the subway. As Catwoman and her allies sought Simon, Maggie too was kidnapped. Black Mask tortured Simon and then began to force-feed pieces of him to Maggie. By the time Catwoman managed to locate and rescue her sister, the damage was done. Simon was dead and Maggie had lost her psychological grip on reality, requiring institutionalization. This was in the third Catwoman series, 12-15, through 15, December 2002 to March 2003. Obviously, as we know, later on, Selena Kyle ended up killing Black Mask in retaliation from the murder. During the Blackest Night storyline, the first thing that Black Mask did when he was revived as a Black Lantern was to get back at Catwoman through Maggie. He found her and threatened to kill her, but Selena managed to save her with the help from Harley and Ivy. Maggie, however, escaped, still blaming her sister for Simon's death and her condition. And we've seen Maggie more recently in the issues of Gotham City Sirens, which covers a story dealing with her. And that is Maggie Kyle. I am Catwoman. Hear me roar. So now we are going to throw it over to our feature, which we have a recorded segment we're going to plug in real quick. All right, everybody. So we said we had a special feature for you, and we do. Um, we have a special guest with us, and it is Stella from Backgirl to Oracle website, backgirltooracle.blogspot.com, and she actually runs a, web, uh, a podcast as well, which if you're a Barbara Gordon fan, you should be checking that out. But uh, she's going to be telling us a little bit about what we hinted at earlier during movie news about the Batgirl Year One direct-to-video film. So, Stella, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's a great honor to be on probably one of the most reputable uh, Batman podcasts, so thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Now tell us a little bit about the history of your site and the podcast real quick. Oh, I think it was all sort of um, 
a joking idea. Uh, you know, I've been around the Spider-Man baseball, and then all of a sudden all these podcasts are coming out, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be funny if I started a podcast? And I had two different ideas. One was uh, a literary podcast, and I thought, well, that would probably put everyone to sleep. And my other idea was Barbara Gordon because, you know, I love the character so much. And, you know, just from looking around, it didn't seem like there were any podcasts about her yet. So why not have a podcast about this this strong character? So around, I guess, uh, maybe late November, I I put up this site. um, Just, you know, little bits at a time, really customizing the site and, I guess, getting people excited about it just a little bit and, and trying to get um, research material to actually start the podcast and asking around the podcasting community to really get an idea of how, how this is done because it's really tough. You don't really know until you actually do it. And then I produced my first episode in 2009 uh, in December. So it's pretty exciting. And uh, if people aren't aware of what I do, I basically i am going through history. I started with introduction in Detective Comics number 359. In each episode, I usually do two uh, old vintage issues and then two new ones, and it's usually Batgirl. And then this recent episode, I started Birds of Prey. So sort of juxtaposing the old with the new, so if people aren't into the vintage, you know, they can still get a, a look at the, the new stuff. But I'm just sort of going through our history and seeing how our character develops and everything to go from uh, Batgirl to Oracle, and, that you know, that's the goal. But it'll be a long time because I'm still 1969 right now, and I've got, uh, like, 20 years or so to get to uh, the Oracle phase. But I'm enjoying it so far. Hopefully other people are learning as much as I am from it. I think they are. And uh, I think Barbara Gordon sometimes is a character that a lot of people sometimes forget, but it shouldn't be forgotten. And DC does a good job of making sure that everyone is aware that Barbara Gordon should be up there with the A-list characters. Okay, so that takes us to the pressing issue, uh, current events. Um, So we talked about this earlier in movie news, and you've started a kind of a project related to an interview that Bruce Tim gave um, in the month of May. So tell us about uh, basically what Bruce Tim said. Basically, he, um, well, I found this interview on MTV.com, which was quite odd, but, you know, it was probably everywhere, and he basically came on and said, uh, due to the low sales of Wonder Woman, she started out selling slow, and then she sort of caught up um, and really surpassed New Frontier, but I guess they really wanted a big seller in the beginning. Uh, they were not going to make a sequel to Wonder Woman. Um, they were not going to make a sequel to Green Lantern, which I thought was a good idea anyways, because that first one wasn't too good. And because Wonder Woman was slow to sell, they were pretty much ditching any idea of having a female-led um, direct-to-video DC movie. And then he sort of lets out bag, you know, we were planning a back row year one, but now that's sort of scratched. And so, you know, the very same day that I found out that there was this back row year one movie, which I thought was a slim chance that they would ever do that, that same day I found that out was, you know, my, my hopes were crushed when he said, but it's actually canceled. So um, right away, I just felt like this is a call to arms. I think, you know, we really need to rectify the situation because I just thought this was a complete error in judgment. And you decided to do something about that, didn't you? Right, yes. Um, So, you know, I'm not very active. You know, there are all these petitions going around um, Spider-Man world. And, you know, I say, yeah, you can sign my name to it, but I'm not really much of a letter-writing person. But 
I really believed in this. And so right away I, I sort of did research, you know, what's the best way to do petitions and get everything. And I thought, well, this podcast is a big medium to actually talk to people and get them to sign it. So I started the petition to get that girl year one back into production. And uh, right now, I think the last time I checked, there are 582 uh, signatures. Um, I was hoping for maybe 1,000 before I sent my letters in. I sent them into the warmer warmer home video big wigs, but I ended up uh, sending them on the 21st of June because uh, I had recently heard about Batman year one going into production. So I thought, well, maybe it's maybe I should ride on the tail feathers of this announcement and try to get them to re- rethink this decision. Okay. Now, ultimately, what do you hope to accomplish from uh, the petition? Uh, well, I guess the ultimate goal really is to have this movie uh, be made. And um, and not only Batgirl, but I think if Batgirl comes out, um, I think that it'll be such a great seller for so many reasons. Um, but I think then people will realize, you know, mainly the people that are making these movies, that they shouldn't ditch, you know, the female-led superhero movies. Um, because once Barbara is introduced, I think that they, they sort of open up this entire can of, of worms you know, the, the good ones, um, because you can get other characters into it. And I think it's such a travesty that, you know, it would stop with Wonder Woman. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we'll get other other glimpses of, of great characters like Black Canary or, you know, people are fans of Power Girl, and then you have two other great um, Batgirls. So I think this is just the beginning, and, and Wonder Woman was such a great movie. I hope people have seen this, but... Even if you're not a fan of Wonder Woman, you will love this movie. It was so well done. And I think that's just a testament of how well this Batgirl movie could be. Now, uh, what are your thoughts on the recent announcement of Supergirl playing a major role in the next DC animated film? Well, it sounds great that they're at least putting a female in there. I think the, you know, this is what we're going to do from now on, really, is have the two big guys always in any of the movies. It's either going to be Superman or Batman. And I guess this is a way to sort of get their foot in the water without sort of totally splashing in and creating an entire movie about Supergirl um, because they'll rely on the name Superman and Batman to get people to buy it. Um, But I think that this is, you know, the reason that they want, or the fact that they want um, Batman and Superman to be the the big names on these videos is the reason why I think Batgirl would really work because... I think, and I, I hope that you'll agree with me, that Batman fans are really loyal to the entire Bat family. And, um, I mean, you might not like Jason Todd, but, you know, just the idea of Robin, the idea of Batgirl, I think people are really going to go for that. And, you know, even if you're not a huge Batgirl fan, there are glimpses of Robin and Batman throughout that entire story. So it could be the same thing. It's just that Batgirl has the title, and it's not Batman, Batgirl, year one. Right. And I, I do agree with you. I think that a good majority of fans who are of, fans of Batman are fans of the entire Batman universe. And that's why we don't, you know, us as a podcast and a website don't cover just Batman specifically because right. there's so many characters within Gotham City that are worth covering. I mean, we cover Birds of Prey. You know, Birds of Prey are just as important right. to Gotham City as Batman is. Sometimes, in, in some storylines, it's actually more important. So, um, my hope 
I agree with you. I, I mean, I would hope that you know the success of the Superman Batman film maybe can can lead up to something else. Um, I hope that you know there is a Batgirl Year One because it is a magnificent story, and you know we've we've uh, reviewed it on our comic cast and we gave it high praise. It's a great story, and I could see it as a great film. And obviously, somebody thinks it could be good because it was one of the very first motion comics that DC released on iTunes. Yeah. So, so from that, uh, I mean, I, I hope it happens too. And uh, I, I, I call out to all the fans. You know, go to this uh, website, gopetition.com uh, forward slash petitions forward slash Batgirl dash year dash one dot html to sign the petition. Uh, show your support for Batgirl because uh, Batgirl right now needs our support, and uh, this is just another factor within the Batman universe. And this is a uh, great cause. I mean. If anything, I'd rather see a Batgirl Year One story than another Green Lantern movie, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I thought that at least was a good decision to not make Green Lantern 2. That was probably a good decision on their part. Yeah. All right, so thank you, Stella, for coming on. Again, her website is batgirl2oracle.blogspot.com. You can check out her podcast on there as well. So thanks again, Stella. Thanks for having me on, and thank you so much for all the support you've shown. All right, so that's our feature. Just as always, a couple reminders. Uh, the very first thing is the Batman animated movies commentaries are going to be coming out very shortly. We are underway in getting them ready to go, and we will be having at least a couple of them up before San Diego. So when you're on the plane flying to San Diego, you can listen to the commentary while you're watching the film. On top of that, we will be in San Diego. Josh, myself, and Apple will all be in San Diego covering all of the latest Batman news. If you are going to be in San Diego and you want to figure out where we're at, you should be keeping up with the Twitter page because we will be actually doing updates from where we are within the convention at different times throughout the, the days of the convention. You can also check out the YouTube page. We'll be posting the videos that we get with the various uh, people we interview, as well as the various different things from the con on the YouTube page. So you can check both of those out. And we will, in fact, have, as we did last year, a, a page specifically on the website for San Diego Comic-Con. It will be similar to last year with all the videos in one location as well as all of the news stories in that location as well. So, down to the nitty-gritty. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can join the web, or you can join the forums on the website and become a member and chat with other Bat fans. You can check out the editorials for comic reviews and other rants and editorials from us and other Bat fans across the world. You can leave us a review on iTunes. We do have a couple more reviews on iTunes, and we thank you for those. And for those of you who haven't reviewed us on iTunes, head over to iTunes. Just take a couple minutes and give us a review. And, of course, you can go over to the website and, and check out all the daily news as it happens every day. And then you can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net with any comments, suggestions, or concerns. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Apple. This is Savannah. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Thanks, everybody.
Are you gonna say goodbye? Oh, hi. Uh. <laughs> Apple. Did we lose oh crap! Oh crap! No, my thing came out. I was like, "This is Apple." I said, "Oh, Savannah's not going. What happened?" <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you just want me to start off right there. So this is Dustin. The story is about characters connect. Actually. That's not even a word. Yeah, it's a word. Just an obscure word. Okay. All right, so with that, let's get into TV news. The very first thing we've got, we actually have no TV news. 